So anyway, let's turn our Bibles to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 20. 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 20. We're going through the book of 2 Kings. And I always like to go through books of the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, because that way I don't get on a hobby horse and hit the same thing all the time. And I know many pastors that do that, and they like always hit the same thing. And as you go through books of the Bible, you take the subjects that come up and uh, hit on those. And so we have an interesting subject today about worldly goods and money and things. And you remember the last time we studied in 2 Kings, we had Naaman the leper. Remember, he was cured of his leprosy. God did a miracle. And, and remember, uh, Naaman wanted to give Elisha some money and stuff uh, in appreciation for what Elisha had done for him. But Elisha refused it. And then we pick up here, verse 20. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master hath spared Naaman the Syrian in not receiving at his hands that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. So Gehazi followed after Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down from his chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master hath sent me, saying, Behold, even now there be come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. Let's bow in prayer, O Lord. We just pray that thou would bless in our study of thy word. Teach us things out of Second Kings. Teach us things out of thy word, in Jesus' name, amen. So here we have Gehazi, and Gehazi, he got greedy here, and he wanted more. And Elisha didn't take the rewards, and it looked like there was a lot of silver and gold there, a lot of things that Naaman had brought with him, and Gehazi got greedy. He decided he wanted some of that, even though Elisha didn't take it. You know, we all tend to be greedy. We all tend to have that thing in our lives. We always want more and more. And uh, the story of, of Rockefeller, where they asked him how much money would make him content. I don't know if this is an apocryphal story or not, but anyway, they asked him how much money would make him content. And what did he say? A little more than I have. A little more. He might have millions and billions, but it's a little more is always what we want. And here we have Gehazi. He wanted some more. So he followed after Naaman. And Naaman said, is all well. Well, the trouble is when we get into sin, when we get greedy, when we get into doing things we shouldn't be doing, then it leads to other sins. And many times it leads to the sin of lying. And here Gehazi, he had to do some lying to get his things. So the first lie he said in verse 22 is, Oh, my master hath sent me. And the master did not send him. But that's what he said. 
And then he had a second lie here. He even came up with the story that supposedly Elisha was supposed to have had. And that is, behold, even now there be come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets and give them this stuff. Don't give it to me. Don't give it to Elisha. Give it to these two men of the sons of the prophets. Then let's go on here, verse 23. And Naaman said, be content, take two talents. And you know, that's a lot of, lot of money there. A talent in the Bible is a hundred pounds. A hundred pounds. And so Naaman said for him to take 200 pounds of silver. That's quite a bit of silver. How much silver did they sell Jesus for? 30 pieces, which was, you know, probably not even a pound or close to a pound. And you know, uh, they, they figure the price of gold and silver in ounces, not in pounds and not in hundreds of pounds. But anyway, take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments and laid them upon two of his servants and they, they bare them before him. And you know, those poor servants, they had to carry a heavy weight there, a hundred pounds, over a hundred pounds. And uh, so anyway, they carried it. And uh, verse 24, And when he came to the tower, he took them from their hand and bestowed them in the house, and he let the men go, and they departed. But he went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? And he said, Thy servant went no whither. I didn't go anywhere. And verse 24 they came to the tower, probably the tower on the city, the watchtower, uh, going into the town or village there or whatever it was. We're not tell, told where this is exactly. And so uh, he came to the tower and he got rid of the stuff so Elisha wouldn't see it. And then he went into Elisha, but Elisha knew what was going on. God had revealed to him what was going on. And uh, Elisha asked him just to see if Gehazi would continue with his lying and cheating and stealing. And he asked him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? And he said, Thy servant went no whither. So here we have a third lie that is come to with uh, Gehazi. And then verse 26, And he said unto him, Went not mine heart with thee, when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee. Is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maidservants? The leprosy therefore of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. So, here Elisha says that he knows that Gehazi went, and he knew what he did, and he knew that he took this stuff, and he has an interesting answer here for Gehazi. And that's what we want to concentrate on this morning. We'll come back to this a little later. But is it a time to receive money and garments, olive yards, men servants, maid servants, all of those things. Is it a time to receive those? 
And the question this morning is, is today, in 2022, here in the United States, is it a time to receive all kinds of stuff? Huge amounts of stuff? Is it a time to receive those things? And, of course, we just read in the response of reading, Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And then it says, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And, you know, a treasure, what is a treasure? Well, a treasure is, I, I define it as, a treasure is much more than we need. Much, I mean, sometimes we can have a little more than we need, that's all right. But much more than we need, that's getting to the point of treasures. Much more. And Jesus said, lay not up treasures on this earth, lay up treasures in heaven. And you know, we can't have them both places. They're either on this earth or they're in heaven. And a lot of Christians act like they can have it both places. And they can say, well, I have a lot of stuff here laid up for many years, but my heart's in heaven. But that's not how it is, because where our treasure is, there is our heart. And so is it a time to receive money and garments and all of those things? You know, it's a time of war today. It's wartime for Christians. You know, there's a war going on around us. We're involved in a war, even though we might not really realize it. We're involved in a war, warring against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, the spiritual wickedness in high places. We are in a battle today, and we should be in a battle. And, you know, in times of war, you know, people make sacrifices. They don't live in luxury during the war. You know, what about in Ukraine today? You know, they're making sacrifices over there for the war. The war. And so, it's a time of war. You know, back in World War II, they used to say, don't you know there's a war on? There's a war on. Make sacrifices. And today is a time of war for us. Is it a time to live in luxury with treasures? Well, uh, Elisha asked Gehazi this. We'll come back to this a little later. And then the leprosy of Naaman went to Gehazi. And it not only went to Gehazi, it went to his seed forever, it said, to all of his children and grandchildren. And that's a great judgment there upon him. And so here we have that leprosy upon Gehazi. Now, why don't we do a little bit of chapter 6 here before we leave 2 Kings uh, with the iron swimming here. Chapter 6 and verse 1. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto the Jordan, and take thence every man a beam. And let us make a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. Did I just read that or something? Okay, uh, where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. 
But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. There's been sermons preached on how the iron did swim. I think there was a whole book with that as a title of it. But anyway, here we have Elisha with the sons of the prophets. He has his prophet training school here with the sons of the prophets. And they want to get a bigger place. So they all go out to the forest and get pieces of wood and come and build a bigger place. And notice everybody had to work in that effort. They all had to be diligent. Each one went out into the forest and took a beam and to build somewhere. The problem was, was as they were building and, and cutting down the trees, a guy was chopping with the axe, and the axe head flew off. Of course, that was a big problem. It always has been a problem, actually. In the Bible, it talked about when people are killed by an axe head falling off. And uh, what's supposed to be done with that uh, by accident? But anyway, you have to be careful of that. But anyway, he was swinging, and he didn't kill anybody, but... The axe head went off into the water and sank down into the water. And in the Jordan River, it would have been practically impossible to find it. And he said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. There's an interesting principle here. You know, when we borrow something, we have a responsibility for it while we borrow it. And we have a responsibility to return it in good order. And, you know, he couldn't just say, well, hey, you know, I lost your axe head, it fell off, and I'm sorry, but that's it. No, he had a responsibility for it. He'd have to pay for it, he'd have to do something about it. And uh, that's a principle here. And I remember uh, Ira, she, when she was in college, she had a bicycle, and she lent it to one of the other students. He took the bicycle out, and he got it stolen. And the guy came back and said, oh, hey, the bicycle got stolen. That's the way it is. And he didn't assume any responsibility for it at all. Well, you have to assume responsibility if you borrow something. Of course, that's how it is when you borrow money, too. We need to pay it back. You know, all those students borrowing money, for their college education, they don't have to have any responsibility for that borrowed money. They just have the government pay it back. And of course, who's paying it back is all of us with our inflated currency and uh, with our taxes and all that. But anyway, we have a pro uh, an obligation when borrowing things, even money. And then verse 6, Elisha said, well, he'd throw in a stick. And when he threw, it, threw in the stick, the iron did swim. And you know, that's something that's against natural law. You know, it's interesting, this whole world is built on natural law. You know, when you make a recipe in the kitchen, it's all contingent on the fact that when you mix this with that, you're going to come out with something certain. You always come out with that same thing if you always mix the same things. 
And so that's how the world around us works, by these natural laws. And in chemistry, they combine different elements and they get certain things. It always comes out that way. Uh, the way we go up in airplanes is built on natural laws that where you put the wind over the wings, it creates lift and the plane goes up that they discovered years gone by. Well, natural laws, but you know there are miracles where God does miracles. And God is always in the miracle working business. And he does things that are against natural law, that supersede natural law. They're miraculous. And God has always done miracles down through the Bible. Here's a miracle that God did with the iron swimming. You know, God still does miracles today, but God does miracles through the means of prayer. The means of prayer. And God works in his providence through prayer as well. And you know, there's a little bit of a difference between miracles and providence. Providence is where God arranges natural events to come together for our good or whatever he wants to do. But miracles are where he completely sets apart natural law. Uh, you know, back at Valley Forge, they were starving to death and God sent them a big run of shad in the river. And they took them out with shovels. Well, it was providence that God brought them there. And, uh, you know, it was providence that the French uh, fought with the English, I mean, with the American colonists against the English uh, in the American Revolution, and the Americans won the Revolution. You know, movies in Hollywood today, they're full of miracles. They just love their miracles, their witchcraft, Harry Potter and all the other stuff. They love their witchcraft. They love their miracles. They love these superheroes that can do miraculous things, send ice or send fire or whatever. They have all these miraculous things in the, in the movies. People like to watch those miracles, and God does miracles. And he has done miracles. Uh, but he doesn't do miracles like the superheroes. But... You know, on the other hand, we're told about the miracles in the Bible, then liberals uh, and unbelievers, they want to explain away the miracles and make them into natural events, and they're not natural events. Like the parting of the Red Sea, the parting of the Jordan. They like to make that into, oh, there was just a big wind that came up, and uh, so it made a parting through the sea. But you know, they went across on dry ground. It was not a natural event. It was miraculous. And uh, we have miracles in the Bible. When Jesus fed the 5,000, that was miraculous. That wasn't a natural event, but people try to explain that away. They say, oh, there was a cave next to Jesus, and he was dishing out the bread out of the cave. And that was the miracle. No, it is that God does do miracles, and he did do miracles in the Bible. Today... God does not do miracles through miracle workers. God does not do miracles through miraculous healers and people like that with the gift of miracles. But he does miracles through prayer and always has. But anyway, we go back here in this passage to, is it a time to receive money and all of these other things? Let's go over to Luke chapter 12 and we'll... Look at the passage that Tim brought up this morning. Tim has led into the sermon the past couple weeks here, 
last couple times I've been here. So anyway, we have Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 and verse 13. On the same subject of, is it a time to receive all of these things? Luke chapter 12 and verse 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. You know, inheritances have always been a big problem. Way back here with Jesus, it's a problem. And it's been a problem forever. And there's always fights in the family over the inheritance. And generally, I've noticed with inheritances, usually one of the children gets the lion's share. And even though we don't have the thing with the firstborn anymore, but usually one gets the lion's share and the others are very discontented. But anyway, we have this problem even back here. And so the guy wants Jesus to help him with getting his inheritance divided equally. But Jesus wouldn't be roped into that. He said, man, who made me a judge or divider over you? But then he had an interesting thing here. He said in verse 15, take heed and beware of covetousness. You know, when we go door to door and we're passing out tracts, a lot of times we have beware of the dog signs there. So what does that mean? It means you're supposed to be on the lookout for that dog so the dog doesn't sneak up on you. And so you don't go into a fenced yard in with the dog or whatever. Beware of the dog. Be aware of it. Look out for it. But what does he say about covetousness? Beware of it. Be aware of it. And you know, covetousness is insidious. It sneaks up on us. All of a sudden, we get more and more and more covetous. What does it mean to be covetous? Well, you know, uh, is it a sin to want more than what we have, to want a better house or a better car? Or is it, is it a sin to want a little bit more? No, it's not a sin in and of itself, but it becomes a sin when we want it too much. Or if we want things we shouldn't have. Uh, like things that belong to other people or whatever. But, but if we want too much, or we want it too much, it's covetousness, covetousness. Thou shalt not covet with the 10th commandment of Moses. Beware of covetousness. And so we have to always be aware that it, covetousness might be sneaking up on us. Then we go, out, go to verse 16. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a rich, certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years, Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, 
This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is a very powerful parable here. And you know, first thing I want to notice here is that I believe a Christian could be described right here. That it could be Christians just like this guy here. This is not just talking about unsaved people. And it says here, they're not rich, he's not rich toward God. You know, there's a lot of Christians that are going to get to heaven by the skin of their teeth, so to speak. They're not going to take hardly any rewards to heaven. They have all their treasure here on this earth, and they're going to go to heaven with no rewards, or very few. And so we don't want to be rich for ourselves, but rich toward God, first of all. So we have this guy, this rich man. And he was a farmer, and his land brought forth plentifully. And so then he had a problem. What to do with all this crop that he brought in? And you know, God can prosper any one of us. God can prosper us, and of course we like it when he prospers us, and we can prosper, and we can make a lot of money, we can, you know, get a lot of things, and God can prosper us, but then the question is, what do we do with it? What do we do with it? It's not a sin to make money or whatever. It's not a sin even to be rich. The trouble is, being rich is a handicap. And remember what Jesus said? He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go to heaven. The eye of a needle. And I believe he was talking about a regular needle. To have a big camel go through that little needle. You know, some people have explained away that scripture and said, oh, well, you know, there was this small gate in Jerusalem called the eye of the needle, and the camels had to get down and crawl through that. No, I don't think so. It's the eye of a needle, a needle. And, you know, it's clear that a camel can't go through the eye of a needle. But with God, they can. With a miracle, the camel can go through the eye of the needle. And what Jesus said is it's more miraculous for a rich man to get to heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It's a bigger miracle. And so what do we do with stuff that we make? What do we do with those riches that we get? We need to use them for God. We need to lay up treasure in heaven and not on this earth. I mean, we can take care of our needs on this earth, but we need to be at of delaying up treasure in heaven. So this guy here, his ground brought forth plentifully. He had no room where to bestow his goods. So then he decided, I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Of course, if it was me, I wouldn't have <coughs> pulled down the old barns. I just would have built some more next to them. I don't like to waste things. But anyway, he pulled down his old barns and built new ones. And he will bestow all his fruits and all his goods. Well, and then he's going to have all those things, and he's going to say to his soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Remember what I said about treasures? 
Treasures are much more than we need. The question is, how much do we need? And what if this happens? And what if that happens? And what if the other thing happens? You know, they have a lot of debate today on how much should you save for retirement? How much should you save? And a lot of the experts say you need to have a million dollars for retirement. And I'm sure some of them say more than that or whatever. But you know, that's because you're thinking, oh, you know, what if this happens? What if I get sick? What if I live to be 101? What if this happens and what if that happens? I need all this million dollars. I need all these things. And that's probably what this rich man here was thinking. He was thinking, I'd have all these things in these barns to provide for me if I have problems, if I get sick, if I live a long time. Well, much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And I'm not saying we shouldn't provide for retirement. But what I'm saying, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't have anything, but I'm saying we need to have modest things. Modest things. A modest retirement. A modest house. A modest car. All those things. They're not laying up treasures. There's a war on. Is it a time to receive houses and goods and men servants and all these things? Is it time? And so remember back what we were reading in the responsive reading? At first it said, lay not up treasures. And then it said, take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. And we can take thought of what if this happens and what if that happens. I need to keep everything just in case. I can't be laying up treasures in heaven. Something might happen. Well, of course, in this parable, what happens? We have verse 20. Thou fool, God says to him, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? This night. The problem is, is that we don't know when we're going to die. And we can, you know, they talk about what we are sure, and, sure of in life. And the only thing we're really sure of in life is that we're going to die. Because all the other things I was sure of might not come to pass if I die and have a heart attack right now. And I could die and have a heart attack right now. And so, you know, we could die at any time. And then, so this, this guy, he laid up all these things with all the what-ifs and keeping himself all these things. And God said he was a fool. That he should have laid up some treasure in heaven. He should have laid up some in heaven. And then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? The problem is, is that when we die, we can't take it with us. We can't. And it's all going to be left to somebody else. Somebody else, whoever he is. Wherever they are. Or the government or whatever. Somebody else, something else is going to take over all that we have. And so we don't want to lay up big bunches of treasure on this earth. We don't want to be laying up much more than we need. Because there's a war on. And we need to put our resources into the war. And then verse 20, uh, 21 here, So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. 
And of course, we're rich toward God if we have laid up a bunch of treasure in heaven. We've laid up some things in heaven. Of course, we don't lay up things in heaven just by giving money to the Lord. We lay up treasure in heaven by doing things for the Lord, for giving of our time and whatever. But we need to be laying up treasure in heaven. And we don't want to be just rich for ourselves, but rich toward God. And we take too much effort to provide for tomorrow and not think about the fact that we have eternity in line. And then one more verse I want to look at on that subject of modest. It's 1 Timothy 2.9. And I think that's where it tells us about modest, modest things that we have. 1 Timothy 2.9. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. So right here, Paul is saying that women should dress modestly and not with costly array, not with gold and pearls and with a lot of treasure. And you know, people can lay up a lot of treasure just in jewelry, just in clothes. Clothes can be very expensive, costly array. Here it says modest. The dressing of ourselves should be modest. And everything else about ourselves in the war should be modest. Is it a time to lay up treasures on this earth? Is it a time to receive all these things? No, because there's a war on and we're on our way to heaven. Let's bow in prayer. O Lord, we pray that thou would bless these thoughts to our hearts. And O Lord, we pray that thou would Just help us to have a balance. Help us to know uh, when we're laying up too much on this earth. Help us to know when we've got too many treasures on this earth. And help us to lay up treasure in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.